right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash the Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 158 of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please consider subscribing. And whatever application you use to listen to this show, if there is a way for you to rate the show in the application you're using, please consider leaving a, uh, a rating and leaving a comment of what, how you feel about the show, whether it's a four-star or five-star rating. When you do this, it changes the algorithm so that when someone else is looking for a weight loss-related podcast, my podcast will show up further up on the list, giving them more of a chance of exposure to my show. But most of all, the, the most important thing you can do to support this podcast if this podcast has helped you in any way shape or form is to tell anyone that you know that is in the same position we are in and you know i can help them too that's the most important thing spreading the word of the ranting weight watcher is the most important thing we can all do. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this. Journey updates. I am up this week 2.8 pounds. For the month of September, I am up a total of 0.2 pounds. Total pounds lost since January 2019 is 168.2 pounds. Pounds remaining to get to the 175-pound milestone is 6.8 pounds. Pounds remaining to get to the 200-pound milestone is 31.8 pounds. So this is a perfect example. Two weeks ago was Labor Day weekend, and I had a good time. I went through the week, weighed in that weekend after Labor Day, and I had a .2 gain. This was not the gain I was expecting. I was certainly expecting a gain, but I was not expecting .2 to be the gain. So then I go to step on the scale this weekend, and it is a 2.8-pound gain. This is the gain I was expecting. So it just showed up a week later, but it did show up. 
This is the perfect example of when I say to you, what we do in seven days doesn't necessarily show up on weigh-in day. It is, it has been my argument for forever that just because you do work over seven days, it doesn't guarantee you anything. We are geared to think this way because of the way the whole system is structured. And even in the workshops, when the leader of the workshop is asking you, well, nice loss this week. What'd you do differently this week? All of the wording gears you to believe that the last seven days are exactly what caused your weigh-in day. Now, let's say, for an example, Labor Day weekend happens, I have a good time, but my next weigh-in after that ends up being a loss. Who in their right mind would repeat the joy that happened on Labor Day weekend just solely for the reason that it supplied a loss at the end of those seven days. There's not a single person that would do that. Not a single one. To me, this is all the proof I need to tell you when I say just because you did it in the last seven days doesn't mean the results showing up on weigh-in day. That's proof. So I am in phase three of my quest to drop my carbs. It is week 23 overall. I had one day of a fail and the rest of the days were success. My average calorie intake for week 23 is 2,168 calories. And the goal is to be at 2,300. The week 23 protein average is 229 grams per day. And the goal is 229 grams per day. The week 23 carb average is 172 grams per day. And the goal for phase three is 175 grams per day. The week 23 fat average is 68 grams per day. And the goal is 90 grams per day. So still battling to get the fat content to come up and bringing the carb content down. The overall goal to bring carbs is to bring it down to 144 grams per day. And the overall goal is to raise that fat intake to 90 grams per day. It's going to take some time. Um, Phase 4 is starting next week. And Phase 4, we are concentrating on the weekend's I had been putting off doing anything to the weekends and my weekends look a lot lot more like my baseline numbers from the beginning of all this. So Sunday is going to be the day that I work on for phase four. I'm going to try to make Sunday be as close to Monday through Friday as possible. And we'll take it one step at a time. It doesn't have to happen all at once. I'm going to do it in the same fashion that I did the other five days, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it incrementally. I'm not gonna jump all at once from four or five hundred grams of carbs per day down to 172 grams per day. Just not gonna happen. We're gonna take it one step at a time. No matter how long it takes to bring Sunday to heal, we'll t- we'll do that. It w- it's gonna be difficult because 
we're approaching a time where th- this time of year is not permissive of trying to reduce food intake. <laughs> it's permissive of trying to increase pr- uh, food intake, right? But listen, the only true failure is to not attempt it at all or to give up. It doesn't matter how many times you attempt and fail. That doesn't matter. I've told you so many times, whenever you guys attempt to do something, when you fail, I want you to assess the situation, make adjustments, and move forward. That is the only thing you are to do. There is no beating yourself up. There is no emotional outbursts. There's nothing like that. There is, what is my problem? And how do I fix it? What's my plan to fix it? And how do I implement that plan? That's it. And then just simply move forward. Pouting, screaming, and being emotional about it doesn't fix anything. In fact, it probably makes it worse. Today, I want to talk about some levels of health here. In regards to good health, there is such a small portion of the population that is naturally in good health. So many of us, if we think about it, countless, countless people have attempted so many times to try to become healthy. And as many of us try, a fraction of us actually make it to good health. And even less of that fraction actually keep good health. So this is excluding the people who are just naturally at good health. These are the people that were not originally in good health, but worked really hard to gain good health. However many start, a fraction actually make it to the end. And then even less of that actually keeps it. So what is good health when I say good health? First of all, let me just end this. It's not a scale number. Good health is not a scale number. It's not a BMI number either. BMI is nonsense. It is a nonsensical measurement to get you to pay attention to everything but what is most important. It's like the watch the birdie. That's what the scale number is and the BMI number is. It's a distraction from what the actual problem is. We pay attention and put so much value in BMI, yet the BMI would call someone like The Rock obese because it only pays attention to height and weight. The most important part of the whole thing, we never actually look at. We never actually pay attention to. And no doctor ever tells us to either. There is no doctor that you ever walked into that ever talked about body composition. And yet, 
body composition is the key to achieving good health and it is the key to keeping good health. Body composition. What good? Listen, whatever your number is, think of that number right now, okay? For me, that number is 196 because I said I wanted to lose 200 pounds, right? So that number, because I started on 396, right? I'm rounding up here. So 396 is when I started and 196 would be 200 pounds less. What good is 196 if half of that is body fat? The number looks good on paper, but what good is it? If half of my body, if 100 pounds is fat, what good is it? What was all that work for? I'm almost five years into this. If at, if, if at the end of five years, I find out that half of my body weight is fat, what did I, what did I really accomplish here? Yes, the number is pretty on the scale. 196 pounds. Who, how many people wouldn't kill to have the first number in the scale be a one? I tell you week after week, I haven't had, I can't remember the last time I weighed the weight that I am now. I tell you that every week. We're talking about grade school. Last week, I told you I was sitting in my daughter's sixth grade classroom. And I was sitting at a middle school student desk. And yet when I was in middle school, I could not fit in the student desk. That's the difference. The number looks great on paper. Let's just take my current number, 227 pounds. What if half that number is fat? What if half my body composition 50% body fat. What good would that number be? If you just had two men standing, me and someone else standing next to each other, and we're both 227 pounds, I'm 50% body fat, and the other guy is 20% body fat. Who's better off? But we're both the same weight. You could even go even crazier. We'll be both the same BMI because we'll be the same height too. We're both five foot four. We're both 227 pounds. But I'm 50% body fat and he's 20% body fat. Who's got it better? Yet the delusion is all there. The number that the doctors and everybody else have you paying attention to are all good numbers. They're all there. There's people that would kill to be 227. But what good is it? There's a different way of looking at all this. And if the entire world tells you to look everywhere else but this, 
It should tell you, especially in this day and age, especially in 2023, if the whole world has you looking at one thing, but not another thing, it should tell you that what you're not looking at is the most important thing. And then we have poor health. Right now, 70% of this country is either obese or overweight. 70% of the United States is either obese or overweight. So many of these people will never even realize that they are as addicted to the food that they eat as other people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. People don't like it when I say that. Because you need food to live. That does not mean it is not addictive. Food is designed to be addictive. It's designed in laboratories. And it is for that specific reason, the fact that you need to eat to live, which is why you need to pay attention and face the fact that you can actually become addicted to the food you eat. And even if you told them you're addicted to food, man, they would refuse to believe that anybody could possibly become addicted to food. There are snack items. There are food items on the shelf that are designed. They have been brought in focus groups. Look, there's a reason why they say you can't have just one when they're talking about potato chips. It has been designed that way. Designed that way. This is a direct quote. The more processed food is, the more addictive it is, says Nicole Avena, assistant professor at Mount Sinai Medical School. And it's not just junk food. I mentioned potato chips and there's all kinds of other junk food. It's not just junk food. There's all kinds of stuff that becomes addictive. There are so many packaged foods out there that never satiate you. You never feel full. Because there's no nutritional value in them. All they do is please your tongue. It does not give the body anything it needs. And yet, there are ingredients that will cause you to want more. You just want to continue tasting it, continue tasting it, continue tasting it. And we waste time. We waste time looking for substitutes for the food that we know to be unhealthy in the name of becoming healthy. And we never actually realize that the fact that you're willing to go crazy, to go out of your way, to make something into something else, to give yourself the illusion that you're eating something different 
could only prove that you have a food addiction. And maybe it helps curb the craving. I can't even buy cottage cheese because some moron on TikTok decided this is, look at a new way you can make ice cream. And then the whole world had to go out and buy cottage cheese. And now they sit here making this quote-unquote ice cream. And yet, at some point, they will decide that it's just not good enough because it's not really ice cream. And then they will go back to ice cream. And then finally, I probably won't have a problem buying it. But people will have to get to the point where they're going to want to binge on ice cream before they realize that their substitute didn't enable them to end the addiction. Number one, because they refuse to believe they have an addiction. And pretending something else, it's like people with e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes were supposed to help you quit smoking. All it did was give birth to a whole generation of a different kind of smoker. Transference is real. Food addiction is real. We get to these points where we binge like crazy. And then we create, we end up creating a cycle in this, in this scenario. So you, you created your substitute ice cream with cottage cheese. You ate it. It did the job in the beginning until it didn't do the job anymore. Then you went crazy and you binge ate on actual ice cream. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. I now present to you The Ranting Weight Watcher Accountability Creed. If you choose this day to say this creed, you are accountable to me, the author. You are also accountable to all of those before you who have taken the creed and all of those after you who will take the creed. But most of all, You are accountable to yourself. Now recite with me the accountability creed. Nothing can stand in my way because I choose to be unstoppable. My challenges crumble in my presence because I choose strength when I am weak. My insecurities have no power over my life because I choose confidence in the face of fear. I own every last one of my mistakes because I choose growth over mediocrity. The mirror and the scale are powerless because I move forward in spite of the result. Circumstances are not obstacles because I see solutions instead of problems. The demons of my past can no longer torment me because I choose to renew my mind daily. All things are possible as long as I believe, because if God is for me, who can be against me? 
This is the creed I declare each day. It is about what I do, not what I say. I will learn the work that needs to be done. I will never stop, even when I've won. I will work consistently, no matter the cost. I refuse to believe that all hope is lost. I will work when I want to. I will work when I don't. I will work when they are cheering. I will work when they won't. I will work when it's easy. I will work when it's hard. The atonements that I've made are made with no regard. I will work when it's cold. I will work when it's hot. Because choices have consequences, justified or not. When I think I know it all, I will start back at one. Because regardless of what I think, the work is never done. And from this moment forward, when times are tough, I choose to believe that I am enough. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. And then what followed was the beginning of an extremely vicious cycle. Because when you actually binge ate, now you're sitting there with shame and guilt. And you're beating yourself up over and over and over again. And then you might beat yourself up so much to the point where you get so low and you feel so crappy about yourself that you'll look to feel better. And because you were always addicted to food, how will you fix that? You will look to make yourself feel better by looking for food. And then maybe that turns into another binge cycle, which starts it all over again. It's a vicious cycle. Poor health is an extremely vicious cycle. Food addiction is an extremely vicious cycle. And then there's mediocrity. Mediocrity, in my opinion, is the most dangerous one of them all. You see, you make that declaration and you join a program and you actually put in the effort and you achieve some success because of that effort. And that success brings compliments. A bunch of people start telling you you're doing incredible. You look great. You're, you, you're, you look amazing. Keep going. And that feeling that you get from those compliments makes you more comfortable. Eventually, you become so comfortable that the comfort you feel helps you to start compromising. And that compromise is an attitude. It's not um, 
something you can see. You just become more relaxed. It's like Rocky 3. So in Rocky 1, Rocky got a shot at the title. And then he realized that he could go the distance with the champion. And that made him hungry. So that little success he created in the first movie made him hungry for more. He wanted another shot. He goes through whatever he goes through. And then in the second movie, he gets another shot. And now he wins. And then we start the third movie, and the third movie, he is just used to winning. Life is great. Cars, mansions, boats, motorcycles, everything. Life is good. Winning is good. Being a champ is good. And that kind of success caused Rocky to relax. A challenger arises that has the hunger that Rocky used to have. And he goes to meet him in the ring and finds himself like in front of a train. Gets just run over. Loses the title. Loses his trainer. Loses everything else. And he was being warned the entire time. The entire time he was supposed to be training, he's taking photos, having a good time, enjoying life. Instead of having that same hunger as the challenger. Once he lost, and he lost his trainer, he found himself in this whirlwind of limbo. Didn't know how to get back. And that's what happens. You compromise, and the compromise brings adverse results, just like in Rocky. And you get to the point where you don't like those results. So you start to fight again. Except now, when you go to fight, it's so much harder for whatever reason. And this difficulty you experience that you never experienced before brings frustration. And it also brings with it the constant reminder of how good you used to have it. And the hindsight, when you're looking back on your life, it brings even more frustration and guilt And a new kind of cycle begins. A cycle that's fueled by destructive thinking and behavior. It starts by you looking back, seeing what you used to be at. You compare your present self to your past self. And you see many things you do not like. And you beat yourself up endlessly endlessly, forever beating yourself up, you become depressed, you seek comfort, you find it with food. 
Because that old behavior is always going to be there. Finding comfort with food, if you felt it once before, it's always going to be there. Because there are neuroreceptors in your brain that remember stuff like this and cause you to crave these things. Because once it makes the neurological connection to that food item, because food releases, making yourself happy by eating a food item releases the same dopamine in your body that sex does. Whenever you give yourself what you wanted most, there's a dopamine release in your brain. And this has especially been attached to food. Especially. If you don't stop this vicious cycle at this point in mediocrity, you could end up back where you started. Maybe you don't go back as far as where you started. Maybe you go through this cycle a few times and say, you start to look at your life and say, hey, it's not so bad. I'm not where I was. I'm not as heavy as I used to be. I'm still better off than where I started. And you start to compromise where you want to be, what you actually wanted from the beginning. Eventually, you accept the lie. The lie that you tell yourself when you say, I'm happy with where I am. I'm okay with this because I'm not where I was. And maybe I'm not as healthy as I used to be, but I'm not as, I'm not as bad as I used to be either. And you believe the lie that you are okay where you are. This acceptance of this lie can bring eternal mediocrity. If you want true success, rather than the illusion of it, You have to put in the work relentlessly. There is only one place where you can say success comes before work. Only one. This is true. That's in the dictionary. In every other thing you do, work comes before success. The only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. And let it stay there that way. Because you got work to do. I got work to do. We all have work to do. When we're pushing for true success, and I'm talking optimal health, Chasing the most important thing of all of it, our body composition. We're going to be facing some really tough situations in life. And our choices 
in these situations are going to seem so small, so harmless, and simply just not a big deal. And yet, this is what's going to make the foundation of your journey strong or weak in the end. You may find yourself in, in, a, in a, any, any situation where you didn't, you weren't really planning something. You had one plan, but then circumstance provides another one. You can go into work and somebody brings a dozen bagels. And you're like, oh, I didn't really plan to eat bagels, but they're there. Now, your choice in this moment is either going to push your goal further away or it's going to bring your goal closer. Your ability to say no. Your ability to do the hard thing. In the end, is what's going to separate you from the rest. It's what's going to bring you True, lasting success. It is your mindset, your discipline, all of those things that are such wonderful keywords to talk about. They only get built with your ability to say no in tough moments. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be a situation that causes you to have to face the idea of compromising your health. And it doesn't have to be about food every time. Oh, something came up. And I got to go drive somebody somewhere. But you were supposed to work out. I have one question for you. When you're in situations like this, where you're deciding whether you're going to compromise your journey or do something hard, I want you to start asking yourself one question in all of these moments. I'm talking about any moment when you're in the office and somebody brought bagels, you didn't plan for that, but you don't want to say no to that bagel when you're having to choose between going to work out or helping someone. I want you to ask yourself this. When you're staring at moments like this, what is your first inclination? Is your first, based on what your first solution is, It'll tell me what your, your inclination is, okay? I want you to ask yourself, am I searching for the way or am I searching for the way out? I need you to understand this. Am I searching for the way or am I searching for the way out? If you have to take somebody somewhere to a doctor's appointment, a loved one needs a ride, and you're facing the choice to make sure you work out or take them 
for their doctor appointment, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Are you searching for the way or are you searching for the way out? Is your first thought, well, I'll just skip working out today. Or is your first thought, well, if I wake up an hour earlier, I can get the workout in and then still take them. And your choice to lose sleep enables you to work out. Are you searching for the way or are you searching for the way out? Every time you're faced with moments, there's going to be a way to get it all done. There's always going to be tools that enable you to get it all done. And maybe you're going to be tired. So what? You checked all the boxes. And you go to sleep early that night. If you truly want what you say you want, stop putting it off. Stop looking for the way out. And start looking for the way. Because there's a way to do it all if you're looking for it. So I have something I want you to think about. How long have you been doing things your way? How many times have circumstances come into your life and the first thing that gets cut to accommodate those circumstances is something related to your health and fitness journey? How many times has a circumstance come into your life and the only thing you can control is exactly what has to do with your health and fitness goals and yet it's the only thing you choose not to control? Were you searching for the way in those moments? Or were you searching for the way out? Because the most successful people in health and fitness, are you under the impression that they don't have circumstances? That they don't have situations in their lives when the only thing they can control is their health and fitness? Do you labor under some delusion that you're the only one? Let me tell you something. You're not. And in reality, for really, really being honest with ourselves here, all of the times where we chose to dish our goals in to deal with the moment, we were searching for the way out. We were not searching for the way, nor did we care that there was a way. 
as long as we have this kind of attitude, as long as we can see that all we want is the way out, all we are ever going to find is the way out. How many more times are you gonna do it your way? How many times are you gonna look for the way out before you realize it's really not the way? And the only way for you to deal with anything in life and still be successful in fitness is to find the way. No matter how hard, no matter what the difficulty level is, there is a way to deal with your situation and your fitness goals at the same time. And the one thing that keeps you from them is you. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.